Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, however, wherever, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the DFS Dreamer podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. Please, we, re- we ask you, leave stars, leave reviews on whatever platform you're listening to the, to the podcast on. We encourage you to do so. It always helps out the podcast whenever that happens. It breaks through algorithms, Pierre. It breaks through algorithms. I'm talking, of it course, does. to my co yeah, I'm talking, of course, to my co-host, Pierre, at Peewee31 over there on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow. You can follow me as well, at Lofinit. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore, Pierre. A little underscore. <laughs> I want to clarify, like, what? leave five stars. Don't just leave stars, because oh. there's, there's a couple options for stars. So uh-huh. leave five stars if you if you don't mind, if you enjoy us. If you don't enjoy us, maybe knock it down to, to four and a half or something like that. <laughs> we, we want five stars. <laughs> A little Abrahamic lies never hurt anybody. You know what I'm talking about? Like Abraham. Abraham in the Bible, he uh, was with his wife, Sarah. And then they went to these kingdoms and they went to these places. And he was always fearful for his life because his wife, Sarah, was so beautiful. And so he would always tell her, hey, tell tell him you're my sister, which was actually kind of true. Like they were half sister, half brother kind of a thing. A couple marriages separated them. So they they ended up getting wedded. Wedded? Is that a word? They ended up getting hitched, married. And whenever they go in these cities, he said, tell him him you're my sister. So they would. And then the king of that city, because Abraham was a wealthy man, so they kind of gave him the best spot in the the city and everything. You know, the the best luxurious hotel room that they had there. I don't know what they they have. The best barn? I don't know what they had, Pierre. But uh, (laughs) he would do that. And then the king of that city would end up hitting on his wife, Sarah. And then God would would visit him in a dream, visit the king in the dream or something. And and then the king would be like, why did you do that to me, Abraham? He said, I thought you would kill me. He said, I'm not going to kill you. You're one of God's people here. Take all the jewels. Take all the riches. Crazy. So I I say those are Abrahamic truths or Abrahamic lies, right? There you go. Yes, yes. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm familiar with with that and it's weird how that kind of breaks off with the the sons that they weren't supposed to have because their age and stuff like that so yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. Hey, on this show, on this uh, DFS Dreamer off-season edition podcast, we're going to look back at those NBA finals and how they're going on right now. Pierre uh, alerted me that, hey, we there, there's there's a game going on here in just about seven minutes, so I'm going to try to get this podcast down to seven minutes for you, Pierre, because I know you like to watch <laughs> basketball. Uh, uh, we're good. We're good. It's, it's a long game. They're mostly blowouts, so they haven't really been entertaining, if I'm being honest. No, I I agree with you. It's kind of been weird to watch them do that kind of stuff, uh, just to blow out after blow out after blow out. And I, uh, that's that that can't be good for NBA ratings. But we're going to look at those playoffs. We're also going to look at the AFC division again. We're still breaking down all those different depth charts that we see from a fantasy relevant perspective. Hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, and especially whenever we start getting into DFS again, how that's going to affect our DFS lineups moving forward into DraftKings next season. And also, Pierre, we are going to look at pitchers tonight somebody chastised me that we look at batters all the time all the time and we have barely (laughs) mentioned pitchers so we will be talking about pitchers exclusively tonight and how well the hitters hit them okay that's what we're gonna do (laughs) (laughs) yeah we talk about shane beaver then because he's been killing me this year oh my gosh he's been awful what's going on no, and and there there was a guy that tried to trade me Shane, Shane Bieber for like an Austin Riley mixed match thing, and I just yeah. wouldn't do it. I, I got mad. I got mad, and I said, "You're insulting my intelligence," and I wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, pitching's hard. I, I mean, I know like the balls aren't supposed to be juiced, but even some of the the good pitchers, I thought Bieber was good, but he 
just can't figure it out. Some of the Milwaukee guys can't, but we'll we'll get into some of that here later. Yeah, the ball's changed. The ball's changed, I think. And it's and it's hard, especially without any spider tack or whatever they call it. It's hard for the pitchers to be able to figure out these new different balls each and every time. And and the ones, the pitchers that seem to have excelled early on in the season are the one that pitched to contact. And and, yeah. and people that you didn't expect to have great years are having fantastic years. And I say that, and like Martin Perez, he's going to end up being blown up tonight because oh I picked up. He's going to get blown up. Blown up. <laughs> I didn't uh, play him. I thought about it. I thought long and hard about playing him. Uh, I had a line. I wrote out Otani. Uh, who's my other pitcher? I can't think of I don't Montas, come to me here. Montas. Moment, yes, yes, Frankie Montas. Mm-hmm. I snacked the Red Sox. I see they got six runs so far uh, in the second inning, so that's a pretty good start. <laughs> what, what's going on with Martin Perez? I haven't looked. Is this not? It's not good. They don't. They don't go until tonight. They okay. uh, first pitch here is about thirty-eight minutes at nine forty Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, I that's I set my lineup there for the evening games. I didn't okay. have time to do that because I was at dance class. We got a big dance recital coming up here in a week or so, and so my six-year-old was at dance dance practice, and so that's where I was for a while there. That's what put us on hold, Pierre. That's, all right, hey, back. Fine. family what first, first, buddy. Yeah, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? We're in playoffs, but basketball playoffs, Pierre. We got to do it. Hey, the Heat and the Celtics. Celtics are leading the series three games to two. Wouldn't have thought that at all. I wouldn't have thought that going into there. Celtics are just they're they're they won't go away, and they're very good. They're very athletic. We've talked about their youth on that team. Game six is tomorrow night. The Celtics are leading this series series three games to two. What do you think about tomorrow, Pierre? I think Boston closes it out. Um, wow. They they started off really slow uh, this season, and I know I even made fun of them a bit because uh, they turned down a, a Miles Turner trait last year from the Pacers, and I thought he his shot blocking would really work out. But they got Robert Williams. They went and brought back uh, Horford. They added uh, another trade. They got Derek White late in the season from the Spurs, and they really just took off. Uh, they play really good defense. They have stars and Tatum and Jalen Brown. So they, they just have a, a well-rounded team, and that's what you need deep in the playoffs. You need a team that can defend, and you need a team that has one or two guys that can just get you buckets, that can score, and they have that, with again, with Tatum and Brown. So I, I think they're going to close it out uh, against Miami. I, I felt like once they beat the Bucks, they were probably going to be uh, the best team there in, in the East. I thought, you know, with Giannis, uh, I think he's the best player in basketball personally. So I thought whoever won that series would probably get to the finals. It seems like that could be that way. It didn't look great early because Miami, uh, Butler, yeah. you know, they played really well, but they're banged up. I mean, they got so many injuries on that team right now. They had friction throughout the year as well with the, the coach Bostra and, mm-hmm. and Butler and Haslam and all those guys. So I think Boston's is going to close it out, you know, tough environment, you know, there at TD garden as well. So I got, I got Celtics in six. It's it's almost like when the Heat ended up beating the Sixers, that was their that that was it. That was I mean I mean I'm not saying they they didn't get ramped up for the Celtics, but it was kind of like that was the icing on their cake for some reason. I don't know what it was. And the same thing that I talked about Jimmy Butler with LeBron James and getting that respect that that I mentioned in a show or two previous that we had. Jason Tatum was the same way. Do you remember when like Jason Tatum was a rookie and he dunked on LeBron James? You, you yeah. remember that? And, and it was kind of like I said, oh, this guy is not scared. And I think that that's something that NBA players in those little circles respect is that when players aren't scared of them and still show respect at the same time, like a Pat Beverly. OK, he's not scared, 
but he's not smart either whenever he talks about <laughs> the other players and everything. But I think Jason Tatum kind of gets it all. There's there's definitely a, a respect level in the NBA. You see it, you know, after games, who daps up who, you know, who who talks to who after the games, who speaks, you know, up about players and post-game yeah. interviews, other interviews, et cetera. And I think Tatum's definitely earned his stripes. And, I mean, you got to remember in that 2017 draft, he was, he was pick three. Like he he wasn't one of the the top two picks in that draft, so I want to say Markel Fultz, I believe was number one. Lonzo Ooh. Ball was number two, Ooh. and then the uh, the Celtics got Tatum at number three. So, I mean, you look at who went in front of him. That's a chip on his shoulder. Uh, I think clearly he's the the best out of that group of players. With, with Fultz always injured, Ball, you know he he's got some knee injuries himself, but Tatum's definitely set himself apart this year. Like I thought he was good, but this year he's kind of taking it to that next level. Uh, that really came out again in that Milwaukee series, big shots going up against Giannis. And I just, yeah. he's, he's hard to guard. He's got good length. And he's just well-rounded Duke. One of those Duke coach K type players. Yeah. I don't like him. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't like him. I don't Is like he him. Beat I your don't... team or why don't you like him? Because my daughter likes him. Okay. I don't like him. Oh boy. Because my daughter starts rooting oh for Jason Tatum whenever he's out. Yeah. I don't like him. I don't, you know how I am. I'm jealous for my daughter's love. Okay. That's, did I say that? I, I mean, I mean that from a fatherly way. That's it. Yeah. I, hear I, I, don't, I, hear I don't know how to handle all that yet. She's 15, fixing to move into the driver's permit kind of thing. I, Pierre, uh, a conference Ooh. finals. The Warriors yeah. lead this series three games to one against the Mavericks right now. It looks like the Warriors, just like we had talked about early on in this playoff series, we oh, just yeah. said they're gonna they're gonna wipe them clean. And finally, the Mavericks. I told you they weren't gonna last, Pierre. I told you they they were gonna. <laughs> oh, they got a game. I mean, give it to them. They they could have folded uh, there at home, but they they came out and played played well. They they won a game. Uh, I think they're gonna get closed out tonight, though. Uh, I don't okay. see them winning. Uh, there at Golden State, so I, I think I think it's over for the Mavericks this evening. I can understand that. Hey, <laughs> let's go over to the NFL depth charts here, Pierre, a little bit. We've been doing this uh, for the last, I don't know, six, seven weeks, somewhere in that neighborhood, so you can go back and download some of those podcasts from previous uh, weeks and check out all of our different divisional breakdowns from a p- fantasy perspective. And tonight we're go- we've decided to go over to the AFC North. We really only have two more left. I love the episode that we did too, Pierre, uh, over there on Prize Picks, where people could use the code. <laughs> They can still use the code Fantasy Impact Today. No underscore there, just Fantasy Impact Today. And Prize Picks themselves will match your deposit 100%. And we have, you and I broke down the running backs, I believe, for the prop bets. And uh, Rob and I, Norton, Rob Norton, at Norton0723, the daddy of the baby bowl himself, we broke down the quarterbacks, I believe. We broke down those quarterbacks. So you can listen mm-hmm. to those past podcasts and use that code FI Today, and you can receive a 100% matching deposits all right so you can do that and get in on some of those prop bet funds up here in in this in this afc division Mm -hmm. we have the baltimore ravens we have that depth chart of the baltimore ravens and i when i look at this i'm i'm sorry you know my feelings about lamar jackson I think from previous years, I'm not that impressed with his quarterback skills. I I am very impressed with his athleticism. I am very impressed at how he can kind of get that job done whenever everything's going right for him. But, you know, I was even more impressed with Tyler Huntley as the backup Mm -hmm. quarterback. Whenever he had a chance, he ran a little bit. 
which is what I like in a quarterback. But he threw the ball on a dime, man. To me, he put it in places that he needed to 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 make this offense really work. Is Lamar Jack? He's he's not in any jeopardy of losing his job, is he? Oh no, he's not okay. at all. Uh, and I, I did I did as well. I didn't think that he was the the best passer, being Lamar. And then he he came back and scored like four touchdowns on my coach last year in a row, one in overtime. And I never said another bad word about him after that because I felt the coach had a decent defense, and he he just all of a sudden picked us apart. But I mean, I think people are gonna be reminded how good Lamar Jackson is if he can stay healthy. Uh, he got hurt last year. He got banged up. Huntley came in, was serviceable, really good, really solid backup. Might be, you know, a, a low-level starter somewhere on another team. Uh, but Lamar Jackson's the guy, and again, I think he'll, he'll remind everyone of that. Uh, it's going to be tough without without Hollywood. Um, you got to have weapons. I, I'm a big person that thinks that, yes, you, a good quarterback can, can definitely, it's top, is what you need the most, is a really good quarterback, but they also need weapons. They need guys they can throw it to that can catch the ball. And losing your top weapon, uh, it's going to be interesting for Lamar. Those three quarterbacks right there, I, I, you're you're getting me off on wide receivers because I'm looking at those three quarterbacks, Brent Hundley included. And I've seen him come in he's and awful. play pretty uh, – you don't yeah, like him at all? Awful. Okay. Yeah, all he, right. he was with us last year. Like We brought him in uh, late last season after we released Jacob Eason. And Ellinger was a little banged up. And I've seen him in, in uh, Green Bay as well. But, no, I'm not a big Brent Hundley fan. Who is so, so was he that guy who came in and like threw that touchdown pass the last play of the game or something like that? Is that that guy? What touchdown pass? I don't know. Maybe I'm living in a different real. Uh, running backs. Let's just move on to the running backs. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Mike Davis, Mike Davis, and Justice Hill. Pierre, does any have we learned our lesson that we're not going to draft Baltimore Raven running backs in any kind of redraft free league at all? I mean, we just can't, right? We can't. Touch. You have to, is the no. thing. They they run the ball so much, like they're a run first offense, and that's part of the reason why Hollywood Brown kind of wanted out of there. Is they're they're geared geared around the run. You know, Lamar's going to run, or the running backs are going to run. If you have one of those really good ones healthy, you need to play them. Like when you get down to you know the the, the end, it was a little tough last year when you had what Latavius Murray. You know, was there Devontae <laughs> Freeman? Like those are a little tougher, but if you got a, a healthy Dobbins, even Gus Edwards looked really good before his injury. If you got talent in that running system with Lamar there, you you want one of those backs. It's tough because you 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 don't know which one's gonna ultimately step forward coming off injury. But yeah, you you definitely want a piece of the actual top of the depth chart. I guess you could say at running back. I don't. I'm, I'm. I stay away from them now. I've learned my lesson mm-hmm. so many times with these guys, and and I'm not. You know, I hope that they do because great talent right there. J.K. Dobbins. I've always said Lamar Jackson's got a soft spot in his heart for Gus Edwards. He loves it whenever Gus Edwards is back there in the backfield for him. So I, I know those guys have got those names, and I know they have the pedigrees of past performance. It just it, they they scare me each and every year. The wide receiver room has changed a little bit, like mm-hmm. you said. Hollywood Brown's gone. I, I loved Rashad Bateman last season and the opportunities that he had, the amount of targets that he received each and every week. The the bad thing was, I think that those targets were mostly from Tyler Huntley, if I'm not mistaken here. <laughs> it's, it's true, but he's going to get plenty this year because if you look at that receiving room outside of him, it's, yeah. it's hideous. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see them try to bring in a vet. You know, you got guys like Julio Jones still out there. Uh, 
T.Y. Hilton, Odell Beckham Jr., Will Fuller. Uh, they can they can maybe try to to get one of these guys to come in and and be that that number two guy behind Bateman because they they don't really have a solidified number two at right receiver. Uh, I think their their top pass catcher will get to at another position here, but it's it's ugly at wide receiver for them. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Who is going to be their top wide receiver this year? Mark Andrews or Rashad Bateman? It's it's Andrews. Okay, it, it's got to be Andrews. I mean, he's probably going to be the the top tight end. Uh, it's going to be him or Kelsey. I know we kind of debated that. They're they're right neck and neck for me. But uh, you look at now that Hollywood's gone. So similar to why I like Kelsey is because Tyreek was gone. Target's going to be filtered to him. Now Hollywood's gone too. So more targets filtered to Andrews. So I think he can kind of lean to Andrews here. He's younger, uh, a little more burst uh, than Kelsey, who's still a really great player. But, yeah, I, I think Andrews is the – the top pass catcher for Baltimore for sure. Well, those touchdowns are going to be incredible for Mark Andrews again this year. The amount of touchdown catches and red zone targets that he gets, I believe you are correct over Travis Kelsey. And, and the, one of the reasons why is I believe uh, Andy Reid is going to say, we can do this without you, Tyreek. This is, you know, we, we, we've, we're going to show that we can do this without you. So those other wide receivers that came in to Kansas City, I think Andy Reid's going to try to highlight one, maybe two of those guys uh, just yeah, to show they, the they league got, that he could do it. They went and got guys. Like, they got Juju. They got Valdez Gantley. Baltimore hasn't got anybody. So no. <laughs> there's nobody to take off the, the burden of that load. Speaking of not having anybody, if we go over to the Cleveland Browns death chart, <laughs> that, that was not funny. It was yeah. not funny, was it? I mean, yeah. I don't know. They, They're a unique team because of their quarterback situation. Honestly. Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield. One of the things that we don't need any more of is quarterback controversy. And I don't know that Baker Mayfield is stirring up any controversy because surely he is nowhere near the same quarterbacking ability that Deshaun Watson has. But we know Deshaun Watson's name is still in the headlines for all the wrong reasons right now. Baker Mayfield, we saw him being a team leader, but... I think behind the scenes, Pierre, I, I don't know how much he was really loved in that locker room, to be honest with you. Yeah, you hadn't really had a lot of guys come out and, you know, backing. So amongst all this, you, you've had guys that left. You know, you've had Jarvis Landry. You know, he's gone. Austin Hooper's gone. You guys are no longer on that team, and you don't see them really stepping up saying, you know, nice things about Baker Mayfield, as they do, you know, other quarterbacks in the league. So you do got to keep that in mind. Um, I think he's cleaned up his act a bit, uh, to be honest. Like he, he says the right things. Yeah. Obviously, that doesn't mean he does it behind the scenes, but I mean, he speaks really well now, uh, compared to coming out, you know, early out of Oklahoma. He was pretty arrogant, pretty cocky. Um, I feel like he's cleaning that up a bit. And again, I don't know what happens behind the scenes, but he could be maturing. And, and we say we don't, we don't have a, a competition here, but what's going to get really interesting is, how the NFL handles this Deshaun Watson situation. Sure. Because Baker Mayfield's still on the roster. If Watson's suspended for the season, what do you think the Browns are going to do? They got to go to Baker. They got to go to Baker. And he doesn't want to be there. He He's wanted to be traded. I know he wanted to come to Indy. You know, we, we preferred Matt Ryan. Uh, there's still rumors that, you know, maybe the Seahawks or someone might be interested. But if Deshaun Watson suspended one season, maybe even two, we don't know. You know, you look at the Trevor Bauer situation with the MLB, that setting president, he may be suspended two years. All of a sudden, yeah. Baker Mayfield, you know, they're calling back to him. They need his help because you, you're not going to want to go with Jacoby Brissett. 
We did that in Indy. Miami had to do it a little bit last year when Tua went down. <laughs> you don't want Jacoby Brissett as your starter. Great person, great individual, not a not a starting quarterback. So if if Deshaun gets suspended, things are going to get really interested uh, for Cleveland and Baker. Hey, speak for yourself with Jacoby Brissett. I think Jacoby Brissett <laughs> led me to a DFS streamer uh, DraftKings contest yeah. win is what he Jacoby did. Brissett he, he got you one. You were cheat real one week, and he got you there. I remember that. I, got, I live for those backup quarterbacks, my friend. <laughs> Nick do. Chubb, I mean, it's a running team is what this is going to end up being. I, I understand. Mostly because of that quarterback possibility of a situation. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Ernest Johnson, woo, light me up yeah. with those three guys. Those three guys tore it up last year. Every mm-hmm. opportunity they got. Where did their backup quarterback go? Uh, Case Keenum. Where did Keenum go? Was it at Keenum? Yes, it was. It was where, where did he go? Um, Oh, uh, I'm, I'm not looking sure for where he. I'm gonna look for landed. Case Keenum now. This is this is, is my goal in, now. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, back to the maybe. running back. Back to the running back room. <laughs> I, I only said that because there was those weeks, whether it was COVID or whether it was injury related, I yeah. can't necessarily remember. You got to win. I want to say on like Thursday night too. But yeah. I think he went to Buffalo behind Allen. Now okay. that Trubisky's gone, I oh, think. Okay. Well, <laughs> good, good luck replacing Trubisky, okay? But I, him and him and Dearness Johnson played really well, I believe, in a couple of different games. And then Dearness Johnson, because of Kareem Hunt's injuries, man, he just really showed out those couple of times that he had an opportunity to. I, I love that running back room, though. Very strong. They're going to have to lean on that if they want any chance of being, I want to say, an over 500 team this year. Uh, if Watson didn't play, yeah. Uh, if Watson plays, I mean... Houston was really good with not that great of a, an offense. Yeah. Or a, uh, so keep that in mind. You know, they had Bill O'Brien who was trading away DeAndre Hopkins yeah. and they were still, <laughs> they were still, you know, winning the, the, the AFC South some years. So keep that in mind. But yeah, that running back room's good problem to have. Uh, they <laughs> get stacked. Uh, you got Nick Chubb, like you said, Hunt, Dearness Johnson uh, did really well in his opportunities when those guys missed last season. Um, and I mean, COVID's not gone. So keep that in mind as well. Like COVID's still popping up. You know, you, you've seen it affect some hockey. Uh, you've seen some guys miss games on in the NBA. So that can still happen in the NFL. And, you know, when that happens, it's good to have, you know, a Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson uh, behind a Nick Chubb. But that's what they're going to want to do. Uh, good offensive line. They're going to want to run the ball. Uh, yes, it will be more frequent if Baker Mayfield's the quarterback. Uh, but they'll be able to really mix things up, and Deshaun Watson would, would honestly open up things for that running back room even more with his arm talent uh, uh, there, especially you got, got guys there like Cooper and stuff that we'll get into. But good running backs, uh, they'll, they'll prefer to run the ball, but they'll – I don't know. It's going to be the, the quarterback has a really big, big spotlight on him on what happens with this team. Yeah, and you talked about Amari Cooper, and I've seen Amari Cooper for a long time, of course. And one of the things that I think I've noticed about Amari Cooper is that whenever he has to be that number one without a lot of talent around him, I don't necessarily think that he shines all that bright, Pierre, as a star. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we've normally seen Amari Cooper, and like maybe we're used to seeing him with the star on his helmet in Dallas when he had those complimentary pieces around him. Uh, if I remember him in Las Vegas, a very disgruntled fella and all those things there, maybe Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson will be able to help that but if Baker Mayfield is the guy throwing it to him I don't think Amari Cooper is necessarily <laughs> going to be able to get the job done by himself there and even with Deshaun Watson I still think that that's going to be a challenge for Amari Cooper not the greatest of separation good route runner maybe a great route runner but man that's a tough 
a tough division to be in for Amari Cooper. It is. And it seems like at times he took plays off um, there in Dallas and even with the Raiders. Uh, you can't really do that when you don't have the, the weaponry. Um, I do like David Bell, uh, rookie out of Purdue. Uh, you look at his tape, like he made catches against everybody. Uh, he was really, for me, the only the only weapon on Purdue, and he had big games against the biggest teams every game, even though you knew he was getting the ball. Uh, I think his draft stock dropped a bit um, just because the way he tested at the combine. Uh, didn't run a really quick 40. I think he ran like a 4-6. Uh, so wasn't the most athletic, explosive guy, but, I mean, he catches the ball. He runs good routes. He knows how to get open. Uh, so I think David Bell is going to have a pretty solid year um, at rookie. I do think, again, Watson can help with a lot of things. Um, obviously, we saw at Mayfield, you know, a disgruntled Beckham, disgruntled Landry. So if it's, it's him, you can see, you know, Cooper also become even more disgruntled. Um, but I, I think it's one of those situations where they feel like hope is in the horizon with Deshaun Watson. So it might appease them long enough just because, again, he is talented when he's on the field. Sure, sure. And, and uh, I, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. And it gave the keys to the kingdom to David Njoku uh, for the tight end position. Uh, uh, finally, uh, deserves deserves it i guess he is a physical monster is what the best way i can describe it and it's totally a compliment that's a compliment but his health has always been a concern i think each and every year where are we drafting njoku this season because he obviously has uh, he, he may be second on that team in targets i mean it depends like if it's baker i, I may not draft him honestly um, wow maybe late but uh-huh. you, you look at just look at him. Mean, he's had chances even before, like the year before Hooper wasn't, you know, there either. And he just hasn't been able to, to take advantage. I think they still like Harrison Bryant, uh, who's behind him also. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's Watson, then yeah, you're, you're going to take him. Uh, I mean, it's still, for me, it's still towards the end of the draft just because you haven't really seen him have that season. And, and tight end is pretty top heavy. Um, I think you, you tend to want to get one of those top tight ends if you can. Uh, I've started using that strategy in the last year or two where I'm trying to get, you know, one of those top three or four guys if I can and then not have to worry about it. Uh, Because once it gets that drop off behind them, it's really just inconsistent. It's, you know, hills and valleys, hills and valleys of who's going to have a a good week in and out. And I think that's the same with Njoku. There'll be times where he explodes, might get you a couple touchdowns, could even get you, you know, 100 yards, but there, there could be games as well where he goes for like two for 20 and uh, doesn't really show up in the in the box score at all. So those are just the, the things you got to think of. And when that's the tight end that you're looking at, I mean, it's risky to, to use any high draft capital on them. I can understand that. Let's head over, Pierre, and the Fantasy Impact Today car. Maybe we can get a sponsor for this. So, you know, we're, we're, we're going. Uh, oh, let's, let's head over to Pittsburgh, Pierre, and let's go over there and visit Mitch Trubisky. He's going to allow us to come into his house there, put our feet up on his end table, and talk about this team. Mitch Trubisky, is he the number one quarterback there? Is there any competition for him? Mason Rudolph was always that guy who backed up Ben Roethlisberger. Mason Rudolph has been there for years. And then Kenny Pickett's thrown into the mix two is this mitch trubisky's team i think to start i think they'll they'll bring Pickett along a little slowly so i I think mitch will have a chance early on to kind of take the reins okay and then uh as the season progresses if he does well he'll keep it if he doesn't you're gonna have kenny pickett over his shoulder 
<laughs> I can't wait to watch. I really seriously, I want to watch Mr. Biscay in a different setting other than the one that he ended up in in Chicago. I root for the kid. He gave mm-hmm. me his heart. He gave me his soul. It felt like a little bit there, but I, I still, I, I got to see it to believe it, I guess. So question, right. question for you. Yeah. If he's successful, how bad is that going to hurt? Me? I'll be, yeah. I'll be happy for him. Uh, my, my, I don't have a vendetta against Mr. Biscay. My vendetta is against, uh, oh, Pace, Gase, the whole combination there that they had going on. Uh, look, that that was where I said, what are they doing? And when you got Nick Foles sitting there wagging his fingers at you on the sideline, you know, that that's the problem. That was the problem. It wasn't necessarily Mitch Trubisky. Okay, so I was that's happy. I'm saying, Mitch. like, if, if, you, if you come to the realization, like, if he tears it up in Pittsburgh – Okay. And you realize that the, the coaching staff, the front office, you know, didn't really give this guy a chance. As a Bears fan, how's that going to make you feel? It, it's not going to make me feel any way. I, I still got to think Green Bay stinks. Okay, that's what I, if that's what you want me to say, Pierre. <laughs> that's what I <laughs> No, it's not going to make me feel any way. I'll be happy for Mitch. I, I don't. I, I don't have anything. And it's it's it was the front office. We've turned the page. It's a new chapter in Bears history. There. So. Why do Bears fans like? The Packers like really get to you all. Like I even watch like I watch Adam Rank <laughs> on the NFL Network, and there's always jabs at the Packers. Like, and they like, like Roger said, like they own the Bears. Since uh, yeah, they live over. in my head. Yeah, they're in my and, head. And all of like the Bears fans is. I mean, you still got the Vikings. I know the Lions. You know they're bad, but you got other teams. But it's always the Packers that Bears fans are taking digs at. Najee Harris is the running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> as well. Uh, great, great rookie season last year. I'm glad, I, I guess, that, that Ben Roethlisberger is no longer the quarterback because maybe that field can get extended a little bit. You and I talked about Najee Harris in our prop bets thing over mm-hmm. there on Prize Picks, where people can use the FI Today uh, code to get 100% deposit guarantee. Uh, we talked about him maybe even having a bigger year this year because now the field is going to be opened up for him, but it's really going to depend on that offensive line, Pierre. Yeah, they'll have to keep him upright for starters, but um, Trubisky's more mobile than Roethlisberger, so that's going to help him out. And yeah, I feel like little, he has a stronger a arm at this point of his career. A little, yeah, a little. Uh-huh. So those all should help out. You know, you got to think they didn't lose much. Uh, from a receiving standpoint, yeah, they lost Juju. He missed a lot last year anyways, but they, they still got, you know, Deontay, Chase. Uh, they got a rookie, actually two that I really liked in the draft. So um, if Mitch can open things up, it should really open up uh, holes and just keep the defense honest when it comes to Najee Harris. Give him a couple more running lanes, uh, not as many, you know, eight, nine-man boxes. Can you throw a football? I can. Can you, Do you think you could have outthrown – Ben Roethlisberger last year. Potentially, like I have a pretty strong arm. I'm not like a quarterback, obviously. I got a pretty strong arm, to be honest. I think I could outran him. I know I could outran. I can't. I can't outthrow him. My shoulder. My shoulder's not the greatest shoulder in the world. I used to be able to throw the ball a country mile, a country mile, but I can't do that anymore. It's just not. It's just not in my shoulder anymore to do that. Uh, so I, if we put the both of us together, we could have outperformed Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, yes, a big wide receiving room too here for them. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, like you said. Are we looking at their production, though, going down because there is no Ben Roethlisberger? Deontay Johnson, I would imagine, because of all those targets and everything that we talked Mm -hmm. about with him last season, he would have been one of the top, what, five wide receivers off the board if Ben was still playing? Or maybe maybe not five, but definitely ten, right? 
Yeah, I mean, his targets alone, you know, made him draftable. Uh, redraft, you know, Dynasty, obviously DFS, you know, when you got, you know, a DraftKings like site where you get a point for PPR, he was very valuable. And you just don't know. There's that unknown now when you bring in, you know, Trubisky. You don't know who he's going to connect with. You don't know if he's going to be taking, you know, those quick routes, check downs to Deontay. Uh, I think Deontay can get open too. Like he can, he can do more than just those underneath tight routes. But I mean, Trubisky's arm talent itself could open things up for, for Chase Claypool, who's more of a, a bigger type receiver. So we'll see how it kind of plays out. Hopefully they get a little bit of time in like the preseason where he can see a few drives, see where that chemistry might be, you know, going into it early in the season. And they got two really good rookies as well. You look at George Pickens there out of Georgia, uh, really mm-hmm. talented, was a top, you know, prospect uh, before his injury. Uh, didn't play much last year. Some off-the-field concerns with him. Uh, on the field, he's talented. And then I've always been a big fan of Calvin Austin the third out of Memphis. Uh, he was one person I was hoping the, the coach would target. Uh, smaller uh, smaller receiver there, but really explosive, really crisp route runner. Uh, you saw that quite a bit at the Senior Bowl this year. So I think he might be a, a sleeper that's basically probably going undrafted that maybe you can pick up, you know, waiver wire later on in the year or maybe take with a last pick if you're in one of those really, you know, big, deep drafts, uh, something along those lines. So they'll be talented there, but I think you got to wait uh, to kind of see who Trubisky has the chemistry with before you, you start to jump on board these guys. Yeah, well, speaking of chemistry, I will throw this name out there because I just saw it on the on the depth chart. Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller's there, and, of course, he was a longtime bear around the same time that Mitch Trubisky was there for a couple of years. Uh, let's not let's not let's not say that the chemistry won't be there for them as well. I think that those are a couple of guys. When I do look around this wide receiver room, I'm like, well, there is some guys there that Mitch might be able to spread the ball around to. And Anthony Miller is going to be one of those guys that I keep on my radar. Miles Boykin too, Peter. Miles yeah, Boykin's in there too. Off a waiver from the Jeez. from the, the the division four Ravens, so they they got some guys. You know, some of them, somebody's going to have to you know, take the reins and step up. So again, you just got to see how the, the battle plays out. Yep. And uh, finally, Pat Fryermuth. Fryermuth. He's there in that tight end room. Uh, we expect big things out of him. Uh, Mitch mm-hmm. does not mind. He he likes to throw it to the tight end. He likes to throw it in that little area. That's where his eyes kind of wander down to. We'll maybe expect a little bit bigger things out of Pat Fryermuth this year. Oh, yeah. Baby Grump, Penn State. Uh, and I think tight ends themselves have a, a better year their second year, so I do expect him to kind of take another step also. And, of course, the Cincinnati Bengals we have to cover here. Joe Burrow, we don't have to say much about him. I expect another big year out of him. Even bigger fantasy stats than what he had last season because he was injured at the beginning part of the year. Remember all that talk about his knee being banged up and being a little skittish and everything? And I think that they finally, about, what, week seven, week eight for Joe Burrow, they they just unleashed him, and he started throwing for 400 yards, 500 yards. Which I appreciate it because I had him. Oh. Uh, in my in my home league uh, and won that championship. I had him in a Scott Fishbowl and I made the conference finals of that uh, last year. And it was it was mostly on the back of Joe Burrow because he finished the season so strong, uh, just hitting you know Higgins, Chase. He was a hearing out boy, got involved with Uzama, but I know he's not there yet. But he got healthy, and I was very thankful he got healthy. So I'm really looking forward to see what he's going to do right out of the gates. Uh, being healthy and with a better offensive line in front of him. Now, listen, everybody, I know you guys know me. I know you've 
Fit family, I know you know who I am. And you know, I, I struggle with putting all the dots together whenever it comes to fantasy football at different times and everything. But Pierre is a humble bragger, and I'm going to brag upon him now. I, and I'm, I'm, I mean this sincerely. Pierre is very good at these things. Pierre Pierre thinks about these these things quite a bit. And he always, I don't want to say surprises me, but I, sometimes when I hear you talk, Pierre, I'm like, man, you are pretty good at this fantasy football stuff, aren't you, Pierre? You're pretty good at this fantasy baseball and basketball stuff too, aren't you, Pierre? And I, you know, I, I hit the, I hit a dartboard every once in a while with my eyes closed, and I get a bullseye every once in a while. But Pierre is the guy, man. If you're not following him over there on Twitter, if you're not asking him questions, you're missing out on a great opportunity to be able to do so at Peewee31 over there on Twitter. Worth your follow, worth your time to be able to do so uh, completely. If you need to ask him a question, please please feel free to do so. I give you permission to ask my guy Thank a question. You. And, and you're also, I think that's getting out and around on a different podcast. You're on a podcast later that you cheated on me this week, didn't you? <laughs> I wouldn't put it like that. I mean, you're looking at a little <laughs> awkward saying that. But yeah, I've been invited to, to join some other shows and it's been a, a good time. So I thank it. Uh, the, the latest one I was on was drinking and, and talking fancy football with uh, FF Dusty Dog and Jake Trowbridge had me on to talk AFC South. With a couple other gents, and so I've been on Front Yard Fantasy. You know, they do the really cool game shows. I would check mm-hmm. those guys out as well. But you know, the Fantasy Football Jeopardy and Price Is Right and Will of Fortune, those type of things. So I mean, there's there's so many just you know, good people oh. out there putting out good content. So it's tough, you know, when you work a a normal job to to kind of be able to to do some of these hobby things. But when I get invited, when I have a chance, I try to go out and support. Uh, other shows, if they have me on, even if they don't have me on, I try to just view, get other opinions. You know, it's good to get other opinions, see what other people are thinking, and I hope others are out there doing the same. Joe Mixon and Samarji P. Ryan are in this backfield. Great one-two punch. Chris Evans is still back there, too. Uh, this team is loaded whenever it comes to offense. Shamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, everything is staying the same there. They even mix in a little Puka Williams. Puka Williams Jr. <laughs> I, you got to like that, Pierre. Yeah, and they're, I mean, they're they are going to get themselves a chance again. Uh, I do think the loss of Uzama might hurt them a bit at, at tight end. He opened up a lot of things. I know they went out and got Hayden Hurst. I'm not sure how great, you know, he's going to be. Like, he didn't really become the tight end. They thought he was going to be in Baltimore. He didn't really do it in Atlanta. Uh, obviously, when they had to go out and get Kyle Pitts. So, you know, he's older now. Uh, so, it'll be interesting at that tight end position. But they still got, like you said, the top three. Uh, receivers there, Chase, Higgins, Boy, all those guys are solid. Uh, Joe Mix is really good. So it's if they protect Burrow, which was the struggle late, especially against the Rams, they protect him. They're going to give themselves a chance to go deep into the playoffs again. Well, and that was one of the last things I was going to point out besides the Hayden Hurst part there was that the offensive line, I think they went out and solidified that. They they realized that that was the problem. And I think that this Cincinnati Bengals team, and usually the team that loses the Super Bowl struggles the next year, I think that that's historically accurate whenever we talk about the NFL. But I don't think that's going to happen this year. This team, this team is stacked. It's ready to go. And I, I, Joe Burrow is a different creature. He's a, he's a different critter. Okay. That's what we'd say down here in Alabama. He's a different critter. And Joe Burrow is one of those team leaders and one of those guys that does not like to lose and finds a way to be able to do this. He will not let mm-hmm. this team get into a slump this, this year after the Super Bowl hangover stuff. Yeah. He's a competitor. Uh, he was, you know, obviously there in college as well, left Ohio state, went to LSU, you know, went up against the big, you know, Alabama, big sorry dogs, to pull yeah. that out there. But I mean, he's, he's always been a competitor, even when he was injured competitor so 
Uh, AFC is gonna be tough. This is a this is a tough conference. Uh, so it'll be hard to repeat and get back to the Super Bowl. But I mean, they have the roster to give themselves a chance, and that's all you want. No, that is all you want. Hey, Pierre, uh, at Pee 31 over on Twitter. You can follow me at Loafender over on Twitter. Don't forget to follow Show NFI today with a little underscore. Let's get into our baseball mode. Take off, take off your football helmet. All right, set it off to the side just for a minute. Let's take a baseball hat and put on the baseball hat. And, whoa, Pierre, I like that you have a Chicago Cubs hat on. That is so nice looking on you. Uh, if you'll notice, I have a Chicago Cubs. I'm not wearing a Cubs hat. I'm actually one, wearing one of those Harry Carey uh, little floppy hats that they used to be able go. to give out. Remember those? Huh? Remember yeah, those? I do. I remember seeing them, but I don't know if I got the hat on the day. We lost like 20 to 5. That was kind of bad to the Reds of all teams, but I'm, you can't, I you're breaking up team. here. You're breaking up here. I can't hear you uh, at all. It's okay though. Cause Hunter green gave me a win <laughs> with a nine ERA <laughs> and like a whip, a huge whip. Hey, fear that's, I don't know how we're going to break down these pitchers because there's so many different ways to be able to look at how effective a pitcher is altogether. And we're over here on MLB.com and looking at all the different pitching stats. Let's look at wins, I guess, to start with at first Pierre and Walker Bueller. I don't know really, Walker Bueller is not terribly impressive whenever I watch him pitch or whenever I even look at his stats. I know he's got just under a three ERA, which is fine. I mean, that, 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 that's good. You know, a, a whip at 123, but he just never overwhelms those batters. Doesn't have the huge strikeout numbers like I'm used to seeing. His strikeouts are actually 42. His innings pitch are 52. So he gets the whiz, but I think that that's mainly because he's in L.A. right now. It helps. It helps the, especially the win category. It helps to have a good team uh, behind you uh, defensively and obviously on the offense, which is weird because he he kind of had dominant stuff early on. Sure. And it, I don't know if he's switched up his his style a bit. Um, I can't say I stay up too late to to watch the Dodgers out on the West Coast, but when I do see him pitch, like he can still strike out batters, uh, but it seems like he's almost pitching to contact to some extent and. You know, obviously he's out there with, with Clayton Kershaw who's had to switch up his game a bit now that he's getting up in age. So maybe he's taking some lessons from him. But, I mean, he's still getting the job done. He, he's still getting, you know, quality starts. And uh, he's right up there with, with six wins tied with uh, another vet uh, when we get down to the next guy at six wins. Yeah, and, and, you know, something I've thought about with the Dodgers, and I know it sounds silly, and, I, I you know, I am. I'm a little silly at times. I wonder, like, if I'm looking at Walker Bueller, if I'm watching their hitters bad or anything. I, I was a little hesitant to sometimes take some of the Dodger hitters because I wonder if, as the season goes on, they're going to be on cruise control mode and they're going to be saving it since there's like 100 teams that make the playoffs this year. They're going to be <laughs> saving it for the playoffs and not wanting to get hurt. And I wonder if the at-bats are only going to end up being at like 500 instead of 600 at-bats. And I wonder if Walker Buehler is maybe trying to pitch to contact and not wear out that arm so he still has a lot left in the tank come playoff season because – the Dodgers are after a ring. They're not after victories or, you know, they're, they're not, they're, they're after a ring. Okay. So I just wonder if it won't be in cruise control mode at some point this season. Yeah. It's going to put on the rest of the division. Like we've, we've talked about it. Their division is tough. You know, you got the Padres right there, only a game and a half back. Uh, they're doing that without, you know, they're arguably their top player in Fernando Tatis Jr. Who's been out. Uh, the Giants have been really good. I think, you know, four out of five teams are above 500. So, It'll depend on how the season progresses, if they can progress and extend that lead of theirs at the top of the NOS, uh, or if it gets a little tighter. If it gets tighter, 
you know, they're going to want to keep playing, get those guys at bats because they're going to want to have home field and have the better matchups. Even if there are more teams making the playoffs, you don't want to play the the top teams out of the other divisions. You want to play those wild card like teams that you feel you can brush to that probably shouldn't be in the playoffs in the first place. Yeah, you're probably right there. Hey, number two, like you said, Justin Verlander, he came back just red hot after that year mm-hmm. off that he he's still got a lot left in the tank. He has six wins as well. He's striking about uh, striking out eight and a half batters per nine innings, Pierre. This is an incredible season that he's having right now. Uh, just a, a 122 ERA. And that, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Oh, he's looked great, you know, coming off the surgery. And he's like 39. He's like 39 years old. And you can't tell. He's still one of the, the top pitchers there. He's going longer innings. Um, as well, you know, he's not coming out after five, six. He's trying to go seven, eight innings also. And, you know, the, the Astros need him. You know, you look at their, their – their, they got McCullers uh, who's been out. You know, he's on IL. So they need that steady, you know, arm in the rotation. And he's been that guy uh, for many years now. And obviously the year off coming off the surgery uh, didn't, didn't hinder him whatsoever because he's still dealing. Yeah, he he definitely is. Joe Musgrove, Alex Manoia, Paul Blackburn. Who is a Paul Blackburn there for Oklahoma? Uh, Oklahoma yeah, for Oakland. He's kind of came out of nowhere this year. Max Scherzer, who's on the IL right now, he still had five mm-hmm. victories as well. All these guys do. Logan Webb, he's living up to those expectations that were set for him early on in the year. And Drew Rasmussen, hey, he's a Tampa Bay Ray pitcher that we've seen kind of be fantasy relevant this season with five victories right now. It helps whenever you're on the Tampa Bay Rays. Tyler Anderson and Adam Wainwright, Adam Wainwright, another longtime veteran right there with five victories as well, Pierre. Am I right in thinking that Paul Blackburn is probably the biggest surprise out of all these guys? <laughs> he is because the, the A's aren't very good either. So oh. the, to have five wins on a team that's not that great, uh, it's pretty spectacular. But, I mean, he has a low ERA, you know, 1.7, I believe, with his ERA, 36 strikeouts. So he's been good. Uh, maybe they, they need to shorten his rest days. <laughs> get some more wins, but uh, it's just shocking to see him up there. We'll see if it can continue. Yeah, he's only like given up point uh, one nine home runs per nine this year. Not giving up any home runs at all. I wonder how much this is going to change whenever whenever he ends up getting into the warmer season a little bit. He might be one of those guys that are pitching to contact as well. Uh, In a good park. I mean, Oakland's a, a good pitcher's oh, yeah. park as well, so I'm sure that helps a little bit. Yeah, I I would I would think so as well, Pierre. Uh, when we look down here at bad pitchers, you mentioned a guy, Shane Bieber. Only one victory for Shane Bieber. Yeah, Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola. Only one victory right now for for Aaron Nola. He is one and four on the year. Uh, Pierre, what's what's going on with these guys? I don't know. It's it's tough because. I mean, they're on pretty good teams. Like, I know Philly hasn't been uh, the offense that their lineup says they should be, but, I mean, they're still winning games. Cleveland's been really good. You know, they start off really hot, but they're just getting hit. Like, you look at, at Bieber, uh, the, the previous years, he's been a really good strikeout pitcher, been dominant, and he still has some strikeouts, but he's just getting hit around. He's not getting the ball past guys. Uh, with Noah, it's really interesting. I've always seen him as a, a guy to, to kind of play at home. Uh, in his history, his home road splits, as always, has caught me. I think this year, I know from a DFS standpoint, he's averaging like four more points at home than he does on the road. Still good strikeout percentage. You look at his K rate, you know, he's striking out over 30% uh, 
other batters, uh, Sierra 3.15, XFIP 3.12. So his his stats are are solid. Um, I don't know if his bat luck, if his Babbitt, et cetera, but you got to think that the progression, I know we say regression, but he's he's not getting his wins. You got to think that that's going to kind of turn. He's going to have some progression, regression, whatever you want to say, uh, and start seeing some wins in the win column because the, the arm talent and the stats still says it's there. Yeah, and Jordan Montgomery is one of those guys, too, who hasn't won a single game yet. But I think there's some he, – he, he's, like, at the top of the list of bullpens that have lost the games for him. He has pitched pretty well. <laughs> he doesn't go very far into games, but he always gets to that five, six-inning mark just right in between there. And really, it just – you know, you look at his ERA. It's a 3.30 ERA, but he has no victories to show for it. Huge ground ball rate, which is, which is wonderful, and that's what's something that you're always looking for. Uh, to me, Jordan Montgomery might be one of those guys who is a trade target. Those victories are going to come for the new when he's with the New York Yankees. I would think that the bullpen's going to make it a a a <laughs> mission to be able to give him some victories because he should have had more. He's he started nine games this year, has zero victories, one loss with a three thirty ERA. That's going to have to balance out. It will. It, it should get better. Um, but you also got to think like he's he's like a five six inning guy. Yeah. Um, and, and in baseball, a lot of those games aren't decided <laughs> in those innings. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's a bullpen that blows it, but sometimes it might be a zero, zero, one, nothing game there. So that's tough. If you don't have those guys that can extend, you know, into those later innings, you, you take that risk of them not getting wins. Uh, again, that's why I kind of like the, the quality start metric itself, because you, you could have a, a zero, zero game, uh, bullpen guy comes in bottom half, you know, gets the last out. All of a sudden, he's eligible for the win. The team scores a run the next inning, so that's tough. But yeah, you, you got to expect him to, to also get some wins. Giving us the Yankees, giving us that lineup, uh, he, they're going to get some runs at some point. Give him some support uh, if he can continue to to have that good outing, continue to keep that ERA, you know, down that three range. You'll see some changes in his win column. Losses. <laughs> Malley with five losses. Robbie Ray with five losses, Pierre. Kyle Hendricks with five losses, your guy. And uh, th- th- those those three names there. Robbie Ray, I think he's turned things around recently, though. He's pitched very well the last couple of games. His K per nine is still way up there, 10K per nine. I mean, that's, that's just wonderful right there oh, yeah. whenever you look at something like that. It, you, you know that that stuff's going to have having to balance out. Uh, 475 ERA, I, it's got to come down for him because his XFIP is down there at 358, which is going to be something somewhere where I expect Robbie Ray to be too by the end of the year with his ERA. He's always tough for me because he's he's always had the, the strikeout ability, but he's also gotten hit hard quite a bit throughout his career. And he's had a lot of highs and lows. I believe it was Arizona uh, that he was at previously where yeah. he was dominant at some point And then – he just couldn't find it. He couldn't figure it out. Um, I know he's on the Mariners now, and it's kind of been the same. You know, he's had some stretches where he looks dominant, and then there's stretches where he, he just can't figure it out. He's getting, you know, really hit around the park. So it's tough. It's tough with some of these pitchers where you know the talent's there, but you just don't know which guy's going to show up each night. Is he going to be able to get the fastball by him? Is he going to be sitting guys down, striking them out? Or if he's going to get hit around uh, because he just doesn't have it, he can't find his spots. I know that's a big thing with Kyle Hendricks. Like um, we always joke around, if he can get out of the the third inning or so, he's probably gonna have a pretty good outing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, if he's getting hit hard early, you're you're done. He's not gonna figure it out. I know David Ross likes to riot with him, but if he's getting hit hard early. He's not gonna figure it out. It's over. 
He can no. get out of the, the third or so. He's probably going to be good. And then right around the sixth, you probably need to get him out anyway. So that's who <laughs> Kyle Hendricks is. Yeah, David Ross does not mind sacrificing Kyle Hendricks at all. <laughs> he's, you know, it's like, he's like, hey, let me ask you this. Rest of the season, would you rather have Robbie Ray, Aaron Nola, or we'll go ahead and say your guy, Shane Bieber? Uh, I'll take Nola. Um, I, I feel like, again, uh, the offense for the Phillies – is going to be better. And when you look at his, his K percentage, uh, his Sierra's XFIP, it's there. Um, he just got to put it together. So I, I like Nola. And again, he's doing pretty well at home right now, averaging 20.7 points, uh, at least from a fantasy standpoint at home. So I take Nola over those guys. Okay. I couldn't see that. Hey, saves, leading the league in saves, Pierre. It's a, uh, it seemed like a one room. Uh, one one man show for a lot of the year and i think that it's it's kind of changed it's kind of balanced out and i've been lucky and fortunate enough to be able to pick up one or two of these guys off the waiver wire as i say waiver wire it, it, uh it wasn't really a waiver wire at all it was it was more that i lucked into it because he got changed over into the minnesota from the minnesota lineup over to the other one up here i'm you see you see we're sharing screens now and i'm 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 struggling here liam hendricks taylor rogers jordan romano those are the guys right there at the top of the leaderboard jordan romano's kind of slipped off a little bit but taylor rogers is the guy i loved it when he got traded from minnesota to san diego i was like oh i just scored a whole bunch of points is what i did <laughs> it helps it helps when you can get a, a closer uh that gets moved to another team that maybe someone doesn't have because they're a setup man or something on the team that they came from. But uh, Rogers looking good at the top. Uh, I think a lot of people have that second guy there at 15 with Josh Hader uh, out of the Brewers. But, I mean, it's good, to, it's good to have saves. That's about the only thing I got going for me from a pitching standpoint my fantasy team right now. Is I got a pretty good core uh, of saves. None of them are the guys at the top. But, you know, I got, you know, Kylie Jansen there at 10 and uh, Kimbrough at 9. So I got some guys there. Uh, but, yeah, it, it helps, again, uh, to be on the waiver wire, to, to be active, because if you do get, you know, whether it be an off-season trade, in-season trade for a guy that's a setup guy normally, uh, that's going to all of a sudden get that closing opportunity, you want to be able to pounce because people tend to need pitchers with saves there towards the end of the season. Yeah, I hit the save opportunity button. That's the one I was looking at, Pierre. I wasn't looking at saves over there. <laughs> you see that now? I got, I got my saves now right there, but it's still about the same list. Uh, Rossiel Iglesias, he's the guy who scares me. He scares me each and every year. I think that 394 ERA is probably the reason why he scares me, but it seems like he, 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 he gets it streaky. He gets streaky. And, man, if he's cold, I just assume bench him and have him in my starting lineup. You know what I mean? He's always been that way. He was that way with the Reds and, and yeah. Cincinnati as well. He was dominant like really early on, but after that, he got a little shaky. So he's been that way. Uh, but, I mean, the Angels, they should give him some plenty of opportunities. That's often what you want from a, a safe standpoint. You want guys that can come in that you know the team's going to be ahead a few runs late, and you just have that opportunity. So as long as he doesn't lose the job uh, when he's shaky, uh, he should be just fine. Leading the league in hits allowed. All right, from a fantasy perspective, from a DFS perspective, this is pretty important. Uh, a lot of this might have to do with innings pitched as well. I'm not looking at hits allowed per inning or anything like that. Uh, hits allowed. German Marquez from mm -hmm. Colorado with 64. He's got 50 innings pitched, so it's not. He's right there in line with everybody else, which is kind of Patrick Corbin is right there behind him with 61. And Kyle Freeland, Jose Barrios, that guy. 
I, I expected more out of him this year, Pierre, but he's just right up there with letting a whole bunch of people get on base right there next to Jordan Lyles with Baltimore. Which is weird because Lyles has actually been pretty pretty decent. He's been solid this year. Um, it's it's not surprising to see two, two guys from Coursefield uh, up at the top with, with Marquez and with Freeland, but mm-hmm. um, it's tough because those guys have been good in Colorado. Like Marquez and Freeman – They've shown that they could pitch there. Uh, I think that's why that the, the Rockies actually gave them pretty solid contracts. Right. And now all of a sudden they, they can't figure it out again. And I think that's the the issue a lot with Colorado, with the altitude, with the, the hitting park out there. It's hard to, to get pitchers that can pitch out there on a consistent basis just because of the altitude. You'll see some of the top pitchers go out there uh, to course field and struggle a bit. Patrick Corbin, I'm not shocked. Uh, I feel no, like no, he no. gets hit around every year. Uh, he'll have good outings. Uh, that's why he stays in rotation. He'll have good outings here or there, uh, but ultimately he'll get he'll get shelled. And you want to stack teams uh, against Corbin when he gets shelled. I stack. He get it done each and every time. Quite a bit. <laughs> I stacked against Brios. I'm pretty sure his last time out uh, definitely wasn't the the guy that the the Twins thought he was going to be. Uh, obviously, he's with the Blue Jays now, but. Again, just inconsistencies. He'll have some outings where he's like, okay, he can be, you know, your ace. Or whip. And then he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't have outings where you're like, why is he even on the field? So it's it's tough. Um, but, I mean, the MLB, there's so much variance. You just never know what pitchers are going to have, you know, good outings and which ones are going to get shelled. Yeah, and I was just talking, The Kevin Gosman is one of those weird ones out of here, out of the top 10. If you look at him, he's got a 225 ERA, 4-3 <laughs> record, a 104 whip, but he's given up 53 hits. 53 hits, Pierre, he's, and he's yeah. in the top 10 of hits allowed. I don't know how that happens, and a 104 whip. Let's look over at his walks. He's he, Five walks, that's why, because he's only given mm-hmm. up five walks. So he's kind of balancing that out between the walks and the hits. And good strikeouts as well. So, I mean, he's not giving up necessarily home runs. So that's going to be a positive if you're you're giving up hits, but it's just singles, uh, maybe even a double here or there. But if you're not giving, you know, strikeout, if you're getting strikeouts, you're getting out of it. And I, I think he's either top five or top ten in strikeouts with, it, that, with that 65. And strikeouts can help you uh, when you're giving up hits. So I think that's kind of his, his game there. If he does give up a couple – base hits here or there, he'll he'll then shut down, strike out the rest of the side. All of a sudden, he's out of a jam. Earned runs. It is Patrick Corbin. It is Jermon Marquez. Uh, Tyler Malley, who was right up there at the top. John Odon. Can I do the the French thing with that? <laughs> I, I don't know how he's he's still pitching. Like He gets hit every time. Every time. I think he had one good outing. I think it was against the Angels, actually. But he gets like crushed, I feel like, every single time they try him out there. And they keep trotting him out there. You got to think there's someone better, triple A, double A somewhere, because this guy gets crushed. 35, 33, 32s, 31s there for Kyle Hendricks. Carlos Hernandez, he's got 30 home runs allowed. Let's go over here. I, these 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 kind of things make me giggle a little bit, Pierre. Nate Valdi with 15 home runs allowed. Hunter Green with 15 home runs allowed. That had to be updated through today a little bit. Uh, gave the, gave, uh, still lost against the Cubs. Well, won against the Cubs. A, 20, oh, yeah. a crazy game. But 15 home runs. Josiah Gray, Kyle Hendricks. Elaser Hernandez with Miami. I thought he was better than that. I thought he was one of those young bucks that for the Miami, uh, not Dolphins, the the yeah, Miami, the who? Marlins. 
Marlins, Miami Marlins, Miami Marlins. Miami Marlins. When we do three sports, you can forget about it. All right, uh, Miami Marlins. I thought that he was one of those young guys, and he's really struggling this year, Pierre. He's struggling this year. He he was pretty solid last season. Uh, that their staff, in fact, was was pretty solid. I don't mind their staff. They they tend to pitch better at home uh, there in Miami. But yeah, he struggled uh, quite a bit so far this season. It's tough. Uh, you mentioned uh, Evaldi. I think half of that fifteen came against the Astros uh, <laughs> one, one game. I, they had like, I think it was the second inning uh, series. They just had the Astros. They had like five home runs in the second inning alone uh, in that game. So I'm pretty sure that that crushed him. Hunter Green, yeah, he's giving up the long ball, good strikeouts there. Uh, we kind of talked about Hendricks. You know, he if he's off, it's, he's going to give up the, the home run as well. Uh, there's Robbie Ray, who, again, has the strikeouts but struggles. Uh, surprised to see Chris Bassett. Um, up here, he's he's been pretty good there in New York. I I, I thought he was pretty good uh, last year with the A's as well. Uh, still ERA under four, uh, good strikeouts at 53. So I'm surprised he's given up that many home runs, uh, especially given that you know their home field, you know City Field, not that great of a hitter's park either. Sure. Let's take a stroll over here to strikeouts. A couple more categories here, Pierre, and we'll wrap this all up here. Uh, Shane McClanahan, he's got 74, and he's leading the major leagues with the mm-hmm. amount of strikeouts. Aaron Nola, Darren Dylan Cease, Robbie Ray, Coburn Burns, Kevin Gosman, and Garrett Cole is bouncing back there a little bit. Uh, one of these days, we're going to go over my prize picks, picks for prop bets over there on the pitchers prop bets for the season long and you're going to be very proud of me Pierre. i think you'll be very proud of me of who i picked and who i did not pick well good yeah hope so hope so it's question on garrett cole did, did, did you see the stuff with him having maybe something on his pants no i missed it okay um, it wouldn't surprise me though i that yeah, guy I, I mean it's not gonna surprise me yeah it's a few games you watch like it's like back right leg it looks like there, there's there's something Oh, he's, he's going to it, so that's something to kind of pay attention to if he's if he's helping helping that ball out of his. I will ask Josh Donaldson what he feels about that. Oh, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> Nestor Cortez is the guy for me. That's a big old bright shining light for the future of baseball. A little bit. If you look at his ERA, it's 170, 61 strikeouts. That's probably through tonight as well because I think he's pitching tonight. A .85 WHIP, man, that is just fantastic right there for Nelson Nestor Cortez. Four and one, uh, of course, and had a long outing the other day, so he's pitched 53 innings as well. So that's really good for him. Yeah, he's been he's been great, didn't he? He also had like a no hitter, didn't he? Hadn't he had a, a no hitter at some point this year? I'm pretty sure. So he's he's been dealing uh, again, and you got Cole already, who regardless of whether he's cheating or not, you know that's that's another top arm there for the Yankees. Uh, so it's going to help out. And you're looking at Montgomery, who we talked about earlier. You know, right there, all of a sudden he's now you know three four in the rotation, which isn't bad. It's not bad to to be that guy and not have that pressure. But yeah. Cortez, 27, uh, Dylan, he's been Dylan, he's been great. I've seen a lot of little mustache images uh, starting to pop up there in Yankee <laughs> Stadium, so the Cortez mania is starting to take off. Yeah, that's that's funny. Uh, let's last one, just to end on a giggle here. All right, let's go with walks. Who's leading the league? John Jean Odon. He's leading the league of walks with Washington right there. And then Hunter Green, who we talked about giving up a ton of home runs as well, is leading the league in walks. <laughs> it's not a good combination. That explains why they're five- struggling. Those two are clearly just struggling. That's that's where it's at right now. <laughs> well, the and the bad thing is, is you got Hunter Green. Tyler Malley, 
right there, and I believe Vladimir Gutierrez as well uh, in the top yeah. 10 for Cincinnati in walks. And that's, that's a nightmare. That's a nightmare right now for that pitching staff in Cincinnati. He just he said we we're going to end on a funny note, but I'm not laughing because oh. we just lost. Uh, <laughs> the wind was blowing in at Wrigley, though, Pierre. It was blowing in. And, and I'm tell, to me, it's like going to Colorado. And I told you I got a little theory because everybody wants to jump on, the Col- on, on a team visiting Colorado. And they're like, hey, I'm going to pick up some free agents. And I'm going to do well this week. And it just doesn't ever end up happening because I think too many people try to hit a bomb out of Colorado instead of just making that good contact. And mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing. Not every time, of course, but when the wind's blowing out at Wrigley, we expect this big, huge offensive explosion, and it just the game doesn't start out that way because everybody's trying to get it in the air, trying to get it out of the park, trying yeah. to get it over the you know over the fence there at Wrigley Field. But when the wind is blowing in, Cincinnati, so it was it was great oh, it American. Wasn't, okay, today. okay, it was mm-hmm. when 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 the wind is blowing in at Wrigley, though. I think people are trying to keep it down and just making hard contact, which negates everything because, like you said, they were playing at Cincinnati. I knew that too, and I still went on <laughs> rambling, didn't I? Hey, yeah, it's true at Coors Field, though. Like I tend to just target the Rockies. Like everyone targets the away team. I just I just play the Rockies. I don't blame you there. Aaron Ashby is a name that's on this list here, Pierre, which I think people have to go out there and pick up uh, with with what, who went on the uh, Peralta. Peralta, isn't mm-hmm. that who, who he yeah, went on the injured? Yeah, he went on the injured list. Aaron Ashby had a great outing last night. Has a two ninety one ERA, twenty walks given up, which is a, which is a little bit, but he hasn't necessarily found his role. A one thirty five whip. This guy, this guy flamed last night. He was he was doing great last night. So I'll encourage everybody to go out there and get Aaron Ashby if he happens to be on your waiver wire. He was good. I, I'll tell you what. I played him once this year, and he was not good. Okay. <laughs> it was against the, I think the Braves. They scored like six runs against him. I know he's more talented than that. I just got the the worst Ashby game. But yeah, something going on with that Brewer staff. Like they they get guys that can just pitch. Obviously Peralta's you know uh, Peralta's going on the the IAL, uh, but they still got Burrs. They got Woodruff and all those guys. They just kind of built up. Uh, so this Ashby could be the the next big thing here in a few years for them for sure. Definitely. Pierre, you did a wonderful job, as always. It's so much fun to talk every single one. We only have one more division left to go in the NFL, so we're going to have to figure out some new kind of show content uh, on mm-hmm. what we're going to do there. So we're going to – we don't have a lot of NBA left either, so we're going to have to <laughs> – I don't – what are we going to do? Uh, we'll figure it out. Be, we'll figure it wa- out. Water polo is what is coming up next here on the DFS Dreamer <laughs> Podcast. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the DFS Dreamer Podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. As we said earlier in the show, please – leave a star, leave a review, type a little something in there just to let us know, Pierre, you're in charge of finding out all those things because I wouldn't have a clue on how to do it. But uh, we do appreciate every single input that you guys give us and for supporting the show. We thank you so much. Don't forget that prize picks code FI today, and you can get a 100% match deposit bonus on that. And Pierre, I hope everybody goes out there and follows you at Peewee31 over on Twitter. Yes, thank you. Thank you for the pitch. Don't have to follow me. But if you do, you know, I'll be friendly. We can interact. We can talk sports. Have a good old time. Don't forget to follow me at Loafin. And don't forget to follow the show at FI, with the FI Today with a little underscore there at the end. But always, more importantly than all those other actions, Fit Fam, we always want to encourage you to find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today. 